Today I want to talk to you, we're in the new series, You Asked For It. And what is that? If you wasn't here last weekend, in the cards that you filled out, receiving Christ, or you're already a believer, there was a blank you asked for. What we want to do is preach toward things that you're faced with and things that you desire to hear, training, teaching, equipping. And thank you for doing that. You're going to hear a lot of that. Matter of fact, you're going to hear from 11 preachers next weekend. That's if you came to all three gatherings. We're doing a thing called New Voices, and they're going to give, they're going to have eight minutes to unload heaven on you. They're going to bring the fire. And so they've chosen different things you asked for it or something that's burning in their heart. And so it's going to be a very special time next weekend. You might want to come to all three of them because every eight minutes is a different preacher and it's, it's going to be very exciting. Today, there was no one that wrote in there, hey, after the resurrection. That's the title of today, after the resurrection. No one wrote after the resurrection. But I did include areas that you desired to hear in this message today. So we're going to dive into that. I want to give you a little report from last weekend because we're family. First of all, we had 20 um, sporadic baptisms over last weekend. Uh, Bobby Carmody and some others put that together. Thank you for doing that. We have a water baptism next weekend if, if you haven't been water baptized. 909, the class, and then water baptism. We had uh, over five gatherings because we did something very fun and very new last, last weekend. We did a sunrise gathering. But throughout all five gatherings, we had 2,329 people come. And so thank you for coming. Uh, it's, it was an amazing weekend. Out of that, we had 50 commitments to Christ. Uh, wonderful. We had 43 prodigals come home, seven new. And then at the, and, and I don't want to confuse you on it, but in the midst of that, we had 39 hands that was raised. Now, those 39 hands may be represented on the cards or they may not be. We're going by the cards, but uh, it was just God is moving and he's touching lives and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So if you haven't been water baptized, next weekend is your time. The following Tuesday is Next Steps. And Next Steps is exactly what it sounds like if you're new to the faith your next step. If you haven't built a, a foundation underneath your faith, it's the next step. And so I just encourage you to go through next steps. Pray with me as we dive into after the resurrection. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for your powerful word and all that you did last weekend, though you didn't do it last weekend, we represent and, and recognize what you did last weekend. And just ask God that you would move so beautifully, mightily this morning in each of our hearts. Every one of us is in a different season, a different place in our lives, going through different stuff. Not too many people that I run into aren't going through nothing. And I pray that you would meet them right where they are, if it's the marriage, relationship, child, teenager, whatever it may be, that you would meet them. Even as we preach your word, that your power would fall upon your saints today in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, I want to give you eight facts, very important facts, of after the resurrection. 
lot of emphasis go in to the resurrection. Well, there's a lot of things that happened after the resurrection and still happening today. Number one, the first one is the tomb is still empty. Hey, it's no mistake. The tomb is still empty. It was empty last week. It's empty today. It's going to be empty next week. It's going to be empty next year, next decade. It's empty. It's empty because it's not a fraud. It's real. The tomb is empty. Make no mistake. Confucius is buried in Kong Ling Cemetery. Buddha thought to be cremated. His ashes are somewhere. Muhammad is buried in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Joseph Smith, author of the Mormon Bible, is buried in Smith Cemetery. Charles Taz Russell, founder of Jehovah Witness, his grave's in Pennsylvania. But there's a guy, a God, God, guy, man, 100% God, 100% man, named Jesus, author of the Bible, author of the Bible, author of life, creator, maker, alpha, omega, beginning and the end, who was crucified approximately April the 3rd, 33 AD, rose from the dead three days later, and guess what? The grave is empty today. Jesus... Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father this moment praying for you and I. His reign has no end. That's who you serve. And if it's not who you serve, you should. You can begin that today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. It was so real that they put hush money up, just like, hey, shh, don't tell nobody about angels removing the rock and earthquake and the body gone. And this is what it says, hush money. Matthew 28, 11 through 12 says, now while they were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. And when they assembled with the elders and consulted together, They gave a large sum. Somebody say large sum. Say it again, large sum. Shh. Let's don't don't let nobody know what really happened. A large sum of money to the soldiers. Why? Because the tomb is empty. The rock was moved away. The angels were sitting there. The people were frightened because Jesus had did exactly what he said he was going to do. He resurrected from the dead, and it's real, yo. Number two, Jesus appears. He just didn't like, hey, I'm going to resurrect and go out of here. Nope. He appears for 40 days, beginning with two women. I love this. Mary Magdalene, come on. Ex-demon-possessed, crazy lady. Love it. Let me show off to her and another Mary. 
And I love that because why would he reveal himself to two ladies instead of the dirty 11? Well, one reason, there was a new dawn appearing on ladies. A culture where women was not treated with great value, Jesus was changing everything. Another reason is because he loved these women. These women was with him thick and thin. There was a, a group of ladies who traveled with Jesus that supported his ministry. He loved them. They're at the grave. They're at the cross. The only other dude I see at the cross is John. Where's the other 10? But these ladies are there because they loved him and he loved them. And the Bible says in Acts 1, 1 through 3, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Say this with me, began. You see, Jesus has begun something and you and I are still living it and carrying it out. He just begun to do and to teach. And we're living in Acts to this day to carry out what he begun to do. And it goes on to say, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit was given commandment of the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had also presented himself alive. Look at that. Alive. After his sufferings by many, look at these words, and you should look it up in the Greek, infallible proofs. Jail. I'll believe that Jesus has read from the, he's, he's risen from the dead if you show me his dental record. <laughs> show me his medical record. Well, they didn't have dental records back then. And they didn't have medical records back then. But they had something more powerful than both. They have eyewitnesses. Infallible <laughs> proofs. Being seen by them during 40 days. Wow. And speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, speaking pertaining to the kingdom of God, there's two disciples walking right down the road to Emmaus, and Jesus just jumps right in with them. Jesus plays dumb for a minute, and they're like, haven't you? Where you been, man? Where you been? Who? You, you don't know what's going on? And then Jesus just begins to download on them seven miles, Emmaus. Jesus is going to leave, but they talk him into hanging out. Their eyes had been completely covered. They didn't know who he was until he sat down with them, broke bread with them, ate with them, drank with them, and all of a sudden, their eyes were open. You should remember that the next time you take communion. What may happen in the midst of communion? It's not just tradition. All of a sudden, you're taking communion with the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Eyes are open. Wow. Revelation, knowledge. And they were like, wow. And then they began to think about what took place. And they said this. They said, did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us. Man, it's, it's one thing to have a professor teaching the word or a th theologian teaching the word or 
pastor or pre. But Jesus is teaching the word. Whoo, one on two. Their life is forever changed. And their eyes were opened in the midst of an intimate communion time. But there was 11. I call them the dirty dozen, dirty 11 sometimes. Because they pretty much, they remind me of me. Knuckleheads. <laughs> hey, everybody got a little knucklehead in them. And though they were told that Jesus has risen from the dead, they struggled with that. And at the very end, before, the, before Jesus is ascended into heaven, look what he tells the 11. He says this in, in Mark 16, 14. Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief. These dudes that walked with Jesus three and a half years, spent more time with Jesus than anybody else, knew him in and out. He told them what was going to happen and they still struggled believing. So if you're struggling believing today, it, it happens. God, we believe, help our unbelief. <laughs> he rebuked their unbelieving and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had sent him, uh, seen him after he had risen. Somebody say he's risen. He was seen, man. Say that with me. He was seen. Tell your neighbor right there. He was seen. Say this with me. 40 days. Raised from the dead, seen, and now Jesus is ascending into heaven. There's a beautiful scripture I looked up this week, John 14, 2. And it's about God having a place, a room for you, mansion for you and I. And I just can imagine what that mansion is going to be. I don't know what it's going to be like exactly. But it's going to be pretty cool. Jesus went ahead to prepare a place for you and I. And there was a New York taxi cab driver and a priest. They both died the same day. Whoop! Both born-again believers. They end up at the pearly gates, pavement of gold, and there's St. Peter. And Peter's like, hey, hey, I'm glad to see you guys here. I'm going to take you to your mansions. We're going to take the New York taxi cab driver to his mansion first. Gets there, it's 30,000 square feet. 72 inch plasma. <laughs> Jacuzzi. Sauna. Pool table. Jeet up from the feet up. Plush. New York taxi cab driver's like, hey, man, I'm not worthy. Hey, it's not about you being worthy, what Jesus did for you. Here's your mansion. He's all pumped, man. Woo. Takes the priest down the road a little bit. Here's your mansion. It's a little 200-foot hut. One little bed, no TV, not even a refrigerator. Priest is like, St. Peter, I think you made a mistake. I'm the priest. I, th I, think, I think you got him you, 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 you mixed up. He's like, oh, no. No, no. When you did your job, priest, people went to sleep. When the New York taxi cab driver did his job, people prayed. <laughs> we got the right mansions. 
Three different accounts of Jesus ascending. Three accounts. Listen to these accounts. Acts 1, 9 through 11. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up. Wow. What that, what, what that would have been like. And a cloud received him out of their sight, and while they looked steadfastly into heaven as he went up, which I would have done too, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? I would have been gazing, man. Jesus just went up through the clouds. This Jesus, the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will, all, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Wow. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes. The account of Mark. Mark 16, 19 through 20. So then after the Lord had spoken, these are important facts after the resurrection. Things are still happening. And he received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out, preached everywhere. He begun to do and teach. They continued it. We're to continue it. They preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompany of signs. Amen. Well, J.O., I've, 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 never, I've never prayed for someone they get healed. Well, have you stinking prayed for them? Have you laid hands on them? Have you, have, you, have you kept praying? Have you kept knocking? Have you kept seeking? I've seen people that I prayed for got healed. I've seen people I prayed for die. And I, I have people that I'm praying for today. But you know what we do? We keep praying. He's the one that accompanies with signs. He's the healer. You're not the healer. You're not the savior. You're not the deliverer. He does that. But he wants to work through you. Wants to work through you. And I was in grocery outlet the other day. And as soon as I walked up, I asked the lady, I said, how are you doing? She says, terrible, not terrible. It's bad. I said, what? what's going on? And she said, there was a, uh, 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 in the mine, there was a, part of the mind that fell and her cousin or nephew just had gotten killed and so I could just go oh I'm so sorry or I could pray for her and I said hey do you mind if I pray for you she says I would love that just prayed for her right there hey you and I can make a difference we're salt and light salt and light Unless you throw your salt on the road, people skid everywhere. They slick and they crash their life. Throw your salt on the road. Here's Luke, his account. And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And he was parted from them and he carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. He rose from the dead. He appeared and wow, he ascended. But he didn't leave you alone. <laughs> your mom and dad may have left you. Your husband may have left you. Your dog may have left you. Your wife may have left you. Your best friend may have left you. But Jesus will never leave you. He won't leave you. He makes a covenant. He says, I will. That's covenant words. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
He leaves the Holy Spirit. He is the promise. He is the person. He is the power. And it all is pointed to Holy Spirit. I tell you what, if you ain't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to listen to me today. You need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, J.R., I was baptized in water. I did not say water. I said baptized in the Holy Spirit. You get fully submerged in water, hallelujah. That's one step. Get fully submerged in the Holy Ghost. That's another thing. Jesus come to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Well, J.R., I was baptized in water. There's a difference between water and fire. And if you don't know the difference, it's probably because you ain't never been baptized in the fire. And he baptized in both. John 14, 16 through 18. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Say that with me, helper. Anybody ever needed help? How many of you needed help? Yeah, you say that kind of like, yeah, 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 I need a little help. You need a lot of help. I need a lot of help. I need help this morning. I need help in the middle of the night sometimes. I need help every day. One of my greatest prayers is help. Holy Spirit, help. Get in a fight with your wife, help. Dog pee in the house, help. We need help. He's a helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. He is the true spirit of truth. It's not your truth. You know what I think about your truth? I don't care about your truth. I could care less about your truth. I don't give a rat's butt about your truth. I said that all without cussing. I'm just being honest. The truth that I desire is the real truth. The truth of who Jesus is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. That's the truth that we need. We need the real truth. He is the spirit of truth. That's why you need, the, this world needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You would have your own truth. You would have the truth, which sets people free, you free, everybody free, through the spirit of truth. And it goes on to say, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he, listen to this, he dwells with you and will be in you. He's, he's with me everywhere I go. The angels of the Lord encamp around those who fear him. God's with me, but he lives also inside of me. I'm never alone. <laughs> never alone. He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you fatherless. I'm not going to leave you parentless. I'm not going to leave you spouseless. I'll never leave you. He's your father. Heavenly father. He's a promise keeper. And he loves you. And he will never leave you. I will come to you, he says. Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you, look, 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 endued with power from on high. I got saved in 86. The church where I got saved in, I'm thankful for the church. Wonderful church. 
but they did not practice the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They made it very clear to me, okay? And I love them. They're some of my heroes. But we practice the baptism of the Holy Spirit here. Do you know why? Because it's B-I-B-L-E. If you don't have the power, it's because you're lacking the person. The person of the Holy Spirit. How do you know if you have power? How do you know if I come and stamp your toe in the ground? If I come and stamp your toe, how do you know? You feel it. I feel the power. I got the power. Say that with me. I got the power. Say it. Come on, old people. Come on, some of you old people, you need to say it with me. I'm old too. Say it with me. I got the power. Jail, I don't know if I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I got the power. If you don't know it, you probably don't got it. You know power and you know fire and you know water baptism and you know baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I got to encourage you, please get baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was a lady last night. She came walking right through here. She beelined at me before she got to me. She goes, I want to be baptized in the Holy Holy Spirit. I said, well, let's do this thing. Laid hands on her and she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm just a little bit too dignified for that, J.O. Well, you need to be a little more like David. I will even be more undignified than this. Acts 1, 4 through 5, and being assembly together with them, they commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, H2O. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Is there a, is there a, a, a chemical compound for fire? H2O. Like, okay, never mind. F-I-R-E. There you go. There's quite a big difference between getting wet and getting burnt. Acts 2-4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with the tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Not that they got, uh, the Spirit gave them utterance. We need the Holy Spirit. Number five. Another beautiful fact that still happens today is that we are still fishing for men. We are still fishing. The first thing that, one of the first things that comes out of Jesus' mouth was, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. If you're following, I believe you're going to be fishing. Your fishing can look different than mine. We all have different techniques of fishing. Some are real quiet and nice and loving, and some are a little obnoxious, kick your teeth in fishing, all kinds of fish. Some fish with a single hook and not with a little bob wire, bob little thing on it. Some fish with a treble hook and some fish with a net and we fish all kinds of, but we're called to fish for men. Peter was a great fisher of fish. Great fisher. I mean, he was a fisher of fish, but then He got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and his life was changed. But before he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he was pretty jacked up. 
Like, let me give you an example. Let me just give you a little reminder about Peter. Logan, would you stand here for a minute? Get behind me, Satan! <laughs> that was Jesus talking to Peter. I don't know if you think that that's jacked up. I consider that pretty jacked up. Another thing he did was deny Jesus three times. And then the rooster crows. All the, but then, listen, listen. He gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. And this guy starts fishing, man. As soon as he gets baptized in the Holy Ghost in the same chapter, he preaches. And look what happens. It says, then Peter said to them, repent. Everyone say repent. That's a wonderful thing. If, if, if you've not repented, it's like this. I'm walking toward death, and I'm going to die in hell, and my life sucks, and it's full of sin, and then you repent. Oh, wow, I'm going to go this way. A change of mind, which leads to a change of heart and actions and feelings. Everything changes. Everything becomes new with Jesus Christ. That's what repentance really is. That's what, that's what Peter did. And he goes on, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And look what happened. He preaches. He just shares this. These, this you know you preaching good when the congregation goes, well, what must we do? They're asking him, what must we? Man, when you're a preacher and people are like, hey, how do I get saved? That's some good preaching. And then it says, this is what took place. Then those who gladly receive. Somebody say gladly. They're super pumped. They're not depressed. Oh, I got to receive Jesus. <laughs> They're pumped. Gladly received. And that day was about, wow, 3,000 souls were added to them. This guy is not fishing with a rod and reel. He's throwing the net. The boat is full. And you and I are still to fish for men today after the resurrection. Number six, we're to make disciples after the resurrection. Who are you discipling? Selah. There was a guy here first gathering. I says, hey, sir, how long have I been meeting with you? He said, 14 years. When do I meet with you? Three o'clock. What day? Tuesday. That's, that's, a, that's a few hours, a few weeks. And it's not the only one. I disciple my kids, my grandkids, try to pour into our staff, leaders, on and on and on. I really want to make disciples, but I don't want to make disciples of me. I don't want Marty to be like me or Logan to be like me. I want Mar Marty, Logan, Bob. I want you to be like Jesus. So he doesn't say make disciples of you. You're to make disciples of Jesus. Go into all the world and make disciples. And I'm going to show you a scripture. Now, this, this scripture has everything to do with an argument. You, you think the church was perfect back in, as soon as the church was birthed, it was jacked up. 
is birthed in Acts 2, and they're arguing in Acts 6. That's not what I'm preaching on today. I want to show you, I want you to hear about the the multiplication of the disciples, but why is it showing that? Because widows are arguing. People are arguing about food. So they had to pick seven guys to help them along, filled with the Holy Spirit, full of faith, full of anointing, so forth. And they, but just listen to the, the setting. Acts 6 1. Now, in those days, look, 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 when the number of disciples was multiplying. Say that with me, multiplying. No longer 11. Man, it goes from 11, 120, 77, and then all of a sudden 3,000. This thing is multiplying. And it goes on to say, I'll read it on. There arose a complaint. Four chapters after the church's birth, there's a complaint. Welcome to the church. Against the Hebrews and the hellacious guys. <laughs> Hellenist. Because the widows were neglected in the daily distribution. And that was very, very sad that that was happening. We want to have a, a big heart for widows and try to do what we can with that. But my point is, is that the disciples was multiplying. Say that with me, multiplying. Who are you, who are you discipling? Who? Number seven, a beautiful fact of after the resurrection is that the church was birthed. The church was birthed. It's different than the synagogue. The church is birthed. Let me read a little synopsis of the church out of Acts. By the way, we are an Acts 2 church. If you want to know, what is heart of the city? Read Acts 2. We are an Acts 2 church. Acts 2, 40 through 47. Here's a little synopsis of a church vitally growing. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. How many, how many you know that that's not changed? Then those who gladly received his word was baptized, and that day 3,000 souls was added to them. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Everyone say apostles' doctrine may sound like a big fancy word, but apostles are just really ones who are sent and send the, the 12 apostles. We have apostles that's going to be here this week. Monday night, we have MFI Regional, and tomorrow night, we have Pastor Frank DiMazio going to be preaching here on Monday night. Pastor Bob McGregor's here, Bob John. We got some beautiful apostles. It's not this big old weird thing. Apostles are those who send, and man, they raise up churches, and they're sent, and I, I love setting underneath apostles and their doctrine. And fellowship, in breaking bread. Everyone say breaking of bread. You, I love the New Testament church because we eat a lot. Dude, I'm serious. There's a lot of eating in the New Testament church. If you didn't know that, I got news for you. There's a lot of eating. I like that. And in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, just like we're together today, just like in small groups we're together, different times to outreach us together. 
and had all things in common. And so this is where it's different. There was a grace on the New Testament church that if we tried to do it here, we'd be on the front of the newspaper. They'd be, heart of the city church is a cult. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, look what it says. And all the things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone who had need. If we did that today, oh my goodness. We'd be top number one cult list. But there was a special grace back then. There was a special grace on the church that I've personally not seen that you can't make happen because you try to make it happen. You, you is a cult. So they continued with one accord in the temple. And look here, breaking bread. I told you they like to eat a lot. From house to house. And they ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart. This is the New Testament church. Praising God and having favor. Look, look. Favor with all people. And the Lord, this is what happens in a healthy church. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That was the first time church was mentioned in the Bible after the resurrection of Jesus. There was a time, the very first time the New Testament church is mentioned was by Jesus. And he does it in Matthew 16. He begins the conversation with the disciples and says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they got some really weird answers. I'll put it in my words. Hey, man, yo, 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 who do they say? What's the gossip on the street about me? That's how I would kind of run it if I was Jesus. What's the gossip? And there was some gossip. Uh, you're Jeremiah. Oh, that, dude, that's, that dude's been dead a long time. You're Elijah. He's been dead a long time too, right? But then there was one of the disciples who I love and I've been talking about who had a revelation of who Jesus was. You are the son of God. And this is what Jesus said. And I say to you that you, Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Does that mean that, get this, does Jesus build his church on a man? No, 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 no. That's, that's very weird, odd. That's not what it is. It's on the revelation of who Peter said Jesus was. That's the rock, that Jesus is the Messiah. He's God in the flesh. He had this revelation, and this is what we build on, is the revelation that Peter had. And it goes on to say, and uh, the gates of Hades, I like King James, he says the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. See, the church changed big time. The church is not a building. The church is me and you. We say this all the time. Where are you headed? I'm going to church. You really can't go to church because you is the church. How are you going to go to where somewhere you already is? I know you love my grammar, but you feel me. See, church is not carpet or this or sheetrock or roof. Church is people, the saints, the believers. You are the church. You're, the, you're, you're an arm, you're a leg, you're an eye, you're a neck, you're a kneecap, you're a hip bone. I, I don't know what you are, but you're one of those because you're the body of Christ. Okay? So the church is saints, but it's not so organic 
that you have to be weird and it can't be understood. Like one time somebody told me, my uncle said, uh, church to me, J.O., is I go Sunday and I go golfing. That's a bunch of bull. That's you with three dudes going golfing. That is not the church. Oh, J.O., it's me and we go boating. Well, that's you going boating, but it's not the church. See, the church is organic, but it's also definable. It has, everyone say elders and leaders. It has a five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, teachers, preachers, evangelists. It has all of those. It has a government. See, you're like, uh, I don't like organized religion. Well, I don't either. But I'm going to tell you right now, if we wasn't organized, you probably wouldn't come. You probably wouldn't come. You'd be like, they are the most unorganized. But you don't like organization. But you sure can't stand if it's not organized. Just being honest. You, you, you go to an auction with these two right here. And baby, first of all, they're the greatest auctioneers you've probably ever seen. Matt and Rose backs. But you go there and it's not out of control. It's cool, it's organized, and they get her done. <laughs> right? I've seen them in action. So organized is not bad. It, it's helpful. My last one in closing today, number eight. Oh, I like this one. Jesus will return. Jesus is coming back, Jack. He might come back in the morning. Did I say he's coming back in the morning? Do you think I'm crazy? If you know somebody that gives you a date, run from them. They are from hell. They are cult leaders. Don't listen to them, run from them. Because Jesus don't even know the day. But I will tell you, he is coming back. And he's coming back the same way that he went. He's gonna, in the morning, he may bust through the clouds. Wow, Monday morning, before coffee, Jesus! He can do whatever he wants to do. You're like, Jay, I'm pre-trib. I don't care what you is. Post-trib, mid-trib, no clue trib, petrism. I don't care what you are. Jay, you should preach on the tribs. No! I won't if you want to figure that out go figure it out you might be post mid trib whatever and all of a sudden you pick a side and you divide and you're so excited because you figured it out but you ain't figured it out because you don't know when he's coming back you don't I hear these guys are so convinced that they know exactly until you hear the next guy you're like wow you about had me convinced. Now they got me convinced. You know why? Because it's a mystery. But I will tell you the season that we are for sure living in. And it's straight from the words of Jesus. If you'll turn. If you want to know the season we're living in, just turn to Matthew 24, 3 through 14. I guarantee you we're living in this season. 
It's called the signs of the times and the ends of the age. Now, as they sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Have you ever seen on the front of the magazine where it says, Jesus appears in Mexico? All that crazy stuff. I mean, it's just so weird. If everyone in this room decided that he's coming tomorrow, and he had it in his heart to come tomorrow, I bet you he'd change his mind just to throw us all off. Because he is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do. He goes on to say, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. Wow. And will deceive many. Don't be deceived by that. She's Louise. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Has anybody heard of that lately? Ukraine, Russia, Taiwan, China, just on and on and on. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For the nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence. Anybody ever heard of COVID-19? Hmm. And earthquakes in various places. Earth wow. I used to live in Northern California. Let's talk about earthquakes. You have a little tremor in Idaho, a 4.11. Well, Radine and I have been lived through a 697173 in one day. You put your dishes in the cabinet they fall out. You put the dishes back in, they fall out again. Come on, somebody. I'm like, hey, California's falling off into the ocean. We're out of here. <laughs> I'm standing out in our living, just out in the driveway in my underwear. Because <laughs> you fly out of the house. The whole house is going great. And the electric lines are going... <laughs> Radine's holding little Seth, and it's like, we are fleeing... California. <laughs> that might be a little too much information. <laughs> but it, it is a true it is a true statement, huh, sweetheart? Rating's like, don't drag me into this. <laughs> then they will deliver you up to tribulations and kill you. Joe, I thought Christianity was a safe belief. Who told you that? You see what happened to our king? You see what happened to the disciples? It ain't safe. And you'll be hated by all nations, but you do have Jesus with you, and you do have heaven. He's going to help you through everything, thick and thin. He's for you. He's not against you. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But you endure to the ends shall, but he who endures to the ends shall be saved. Tell your neighbor right there, endure. And here's my theolo theological dispensationalist position my term, my statement right here for Heart of the City. You ready? Here we go. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world 
and as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. You want to see Jesus come back? You want to see Jesus come back? Preach the word. Preach the word and we will see Jesus come back. Amen. Don't be asking me about no pre-trib, mid, crazy stuff. Just preach Jesus, his love. Make disciples. He's going to come back one day. When he comes back, you'll know about it. You'll, you'll know. You, you, you won't have to. Nobody's going to fake you out. You'll know.